Welcome to FF Plus, a new spoiler-free outlet for movie reviews, entertainment recommendations, and discussion. Here you will find a little bit of everything, from what's been entertaining us, to trailer reactions, industry hot topic conversation, and even film award predictions. We hope you'll enjoy this addition to the Feelin' Film lineup and join us each week. Now, on to the show. Hey, listeners, thank you for tuning in to this next episode of FF+. Plus. I'm one of your hosts, Aaron, and with me, as always, is my best friend and co-host, Patrick. Howdy-ho! We have what we think is going to be a really good show for you tonight. We've got a couple things to talk about. The first is a review for a film that is new to theaters, or at least new to some theaters. I know many of you in the central United States may have to wait a little bit longer for this one, as it's an indie film, and we apologize, yada yada, but it'll get to you eventually. It surely will. Unfortunately, we aren't going to be able to talk about Happy Death Day to you, Patrick, because I was unable to make my screening. I was actually really excited for that film. Because I like the original film, Happy Death Day, but, you know, snow up here in Seattle. Not just snow, but snowpocalypse, snowmageddon. Snowmageddon is right, and it has transitioned into slushmageddon. And it is almost as bad, if not worse, because it's just gross now. It used to be, like, really pretty and keeping me stuck in my home. Now it's just really disgustingly dirty and gross, and I have to go out in it. So... I think the snow apocalypse was actually better. But uh leading in with the snow, it's kind of timely, to be honest, because that film that I'm going to be reviewing is called Arctic. And this film is a tight 90-minute single-location movie. Uh I'd say single-location. I mean, it's the single-location I'm talking about is the Arctic. It's like a big glacier, I guess. So, you know, it's a big single-location. But it's one place, I guess. Yeah. Hence the name, I guess, right? <laughs> right. But this is a survival drama. It stars Mads Mikkelsen, and it's pretty much just him in this film, with the exception of one other primary actor. Now, the story follows his character, whose name is Overgard. He's a pilot. He's crashed in the Arctic. And what I really enjoyed about this is that we just drop right in on him with no context. The first thing we see in this film is him walking around the snow trying to make out the letters for SOS. Okay? So he must have been there a while, but we don't know any details about why his plane crashed, about where he's come from, anything like that. And I really enjoyed that aspect of this film because it's incredibly mysterious. You know, and it and it makes something makes for something a little bit more compelling with the drama, in my opinion, because it really doesn't matter who this guy is or why his plane landed there. It's really all about just telling this story of survival. And what Arctic ends up doing really well is making it so that we can feel that. The character of Overgard eventually meets a downed helo pilot. I won't give you any specifics about how that comes to be, because this movie isn't really one you can spoil. It's more about the experience. It's about seeing the character and the way that he interacts with this other human being and the way that he struggles for survival. I mean, that's that's what these movies are all about. Um, and it really is pretty powerful. I, I love the messages in this movie. It kind of hints at an importance about your actions in the present and that that's really all that matters. 
you know, not necessarily what's come before and doesn't matter what's going to happen after. It matters how you're going to live in the moment right now. And that's couldn't be truer for someone who's stuck out in the Arctic by themselves, slowly freezing to death. I also really like that this film has no big existential crisis happening. There's no narration. There is very minimum dialogue, actually, from Overguard. Sometimes he talks to himself or he talks to this pilot, but it's incredibly rare. And the film overall has a, has a great aesthetic to it. It puts you into this situation with him, and I think it does a great job of capturing the need for human interaction. Um, this is something that Mads even talks about a bit uh, in an interview that I did with him that we're going to play here in a few minutes. So that was a really cool piece of this film, that it leads you to feel what this character is feeling in a great way. It's directed by a man named Joe Pinna. Have you ever heard of him, Patrick? I've not. Well, Joe is a YouTube star, much like Anise Shiganti, whose first feature film last year was Searching. Joe's been doing some short films for a while now, but this is his first feature film, and it's a pretty ambitious one, to be honest, to start off with filming in the actual Arctic uh, for your first movie. That's that's a, a big task, but he handles it really well. The movie has gorgeous cinematography, um, the colors in the sky against this blanketed white ground that just goes on forever and ever look amazing, and it's got this, these shots of slow-moving giant clouds in the area. It's really beautiful, and I couldn't help but think that it would be nice to go there, maybe for, you know, a minute or two. <laughs> a minute or two. That's about it, right? Yeah. yeah. Just uh, teleport me in and then teleport me out. But it actually has a really great score, too. One of the things that stood out to me about Arctic was the music. It's unimposing. It's quiet. But in the moments of heightened emotion, it really helps enhance that. The score was composed by Joseph Trapanese, and you might know him. He wrote the score for The Greatest Showman, Bolivian, which I really like as well, and then Straight Outta Compton. So he's got some real varied work. It's actually a really incredibly heartfelt score, and I think it might end up as one of my favorites of the year. So if anything stood out about this the most, that was probably the lasting thing for me. Uh, Mads is great. The performance is amazing. I mean, it, it kind of has to be when you're carrying this thing all by yourself. And it's one of his better performances, for sure. It's really not anything new overall, the film isn't. I mean, we've seen this before. You know, man surviving in crazy, awful odds uh, in an environmental situation and trying to get out of it alive. But it's beautiful, exceptionally acted, it's well-paced, and I was captivated throughout. I really like survival stories, so I'm kind of inclined to enjoy this right off the bat when real life or death is on the line. And I enjoyed this one quite a bit, Patrick. Yeah. I mean, when you, when you have, when you have movies like this that aren't really dime a dozen, but they're familiar, you really want to focus on the performances. And I think that as someone who wants to see this, I'm looking forward to seeing Mads performance in this isolated in this place. I've seen him with other actors and like him a lot. And I'm curious to see how he does for myself in this movie, just on his own. Yeah, I think you'll enjoy it quite a bit. And um, I actually had the opportunity to speak with him. So here is a few words uh, from Mads himself about the movie Arctic. Enjoy. Good afternoon, Mads. Hello, Aaron. That's you, right? That's me. Nice to meet you. Likewise. Well, I wanted to start off right away just by talking a little bit about your relationship with the director. This is an ambitious first-time feature film for Joe. 
and you know being in an isolated harsh location and 19 day shoot so i was curious did you know joe before being cast and what drew you to the role and led you to taking a chance on working with him uh i i didn't know him at all strangely i'm even though i'm only in my early 50s i'm i'm, I'm so much a, a child of the former millennium so his this whole world that he's living in on youtube i'm just not part of that <laughs> i never saw any of that um I read the story. I read the script, and uh, and it blew me away. I thought it was so so honest and so brutal, uh, and it was so poetic at the same time. And they didn't fall into the traps of of you know going down memory lane or having flashbacks of him f- having a fight with his wife and missing her. We left all that out, so we just have a man stranded at the Arctic. And I thought it was fantastic. And then and then it was just a beautiful story about what what is humanity. Yeah, I absolutely agree. That was something that drew me to it as well um, from a viewing standpoint. I was wondering what kind of direction did Joe offer on the set as far as, uh, you know, compared to, you know, working with a bit more experienced directors, how did that work for you guys? Well, he, he did what I hoped to. I mean, he did exactly what it's all about. You know, we, we spend a lot of time back and forth talking about the story, turning every stone, coming up with ideas, throwing them out again. Um, but the story was pretty much solid as, as it was, we changed small details and came up with some, 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 some interesting stuff. But, but in general, we, we knew what we wanted to say. We knew, uh, and once we, we came to the um, location, you would never have guessed it was a first-time director. He was just very on the point, uh, controlling the whole thing. thing and, and me and him, we had a great, great dialogue the whole time. Uh, so, so it just felt as if he was born to do this. It definitely comes across that way as well. So um, kudos to both of you for that. One thing that is really important in these these kind of movies where you're by yourself in a survival story is conveying a lot of emotion with just almost no dialogue. And that's what you do here. I'm wondering how you prepared yourself mentally to take take on that challenge of being mostly by yourself um, and simultaneously filming in this kind of frozen tundra of Iceland. It's really hard to prepare yourself for it. I mean, we have an idea what we're going to go through, right? We, we can never imagine it fully how it's going to be um but, but we can uh, have empathy enough to put ourselves in that situation i can't even put it i can put it in this way like it's, it's like if you ask a friend if he would please give you a thousand dead arms you know and you just you know it's going to be painful it's uh-huh. going to hit you a thousand times but you're just hoping and praying that um, that you can take it and, and the time will pass and eventually it's over right had you ever been to iceland before the shoot or was this your first time I've been there quite a few times. It's, it's my favorite country in the world. Oh. <laughs> I've shot, yeah, I shot my second feature film there uh, many years ago, and then I shot I shot Rogue One there as well. Uh, and, and since then, I've been there just as a private person. Uh, I, just, I love the place, and the, and the crews up there are, are just outstanding and fantastic. Um, did the weather conditions ever interrupt your shoot or cause you any problems? Not at all. <laughs> no. Yeah, it was insane. Uh we were we were planning to shoot 30 days and we only we only got 19 out of the weather conditions because um, it was brutal we it was ripping off doors from from cars and you know dragging them down the valleys and we couldn't we couldn't exit the, exit the house so 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 it was a constant battle with the weather but hey our biggest enemy was also our biggest friend it, it gave us so many free gifts definitely it makes the aesthetic of the film feel very genuine <laughs> because of that did you watch any films to prepare or draw inspiration from this or is your process more kind of just all on your own well 
Well, my process in general uh, with a thing like this uh, is is with the story and with the director. This is this is why I morph in for the next couple of months, and and that's the only people I talk to, and that's the only book I read, our little Bible. Uh, it, we didn't want him to be an expert on surviving. We wanted him to be you and me. We wanted him to to do what, what feels right, what feels common sense, but he's not an expert. So, so there was no reason for me to, to read up on, on fantastic techniques to survive because my character was not prepared for this at all. Yeah, I, I actually really love that we don't have a backstory for Overguard and they... He, you know, we see you just surviving and kind of doing those the routines to get by that we would all try to do. And it seems that the arrival of the down pilot brings out like a new sense of resolve in your character. I'm wondering from your perspective, what do you think that human presence, even in her injured state, do you think, how do you think that gave him a hope and change of perspective? No, it changes everything. It changes the entire dynamic of, of the story. I mean, when we see him in the beginning, he, he's a survivor. That's it. He's, he's not alive. He's just surviving. He's a comfortable numb. And the second this, the, the, the other person enters his, his world, he becomes alive again. Slowly but surely, he starts living. Uh, and that's the whole point of our story is that it takes two to tangle. There's no way you can, you can stay human unless you have other human beings around you. That's beautiful. And polar bears. Polar bears are... Or there All too. the best, yeah. <laughs> I don't, I'm not sure. I'm not sure that he explained. But yeah, that's one of the themes. You know, anything that was breathing was important for him. You know, the polar bear is obviously a, 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 a tremendous enemy, but there's also something just beautiful and lovely about somebody else on this deserted planet that is breathing. You know, so and the same with the fish. He, he always looks at his fish before he kills it because there's something alive right next to him, and that's the only thing within thousands of kilometers. That totally makes sense. What was the hardest scene to shoot for you guys? They were all tough. I, I wouldn't use the word difficult. I, I would like to use the di word difficult is only when something is not working, or the scene doesn't make sense, or the lines are stupid. But there was none of that. I mean, that was a smooth ride in many ways. But it was tough. It was tough as hell. And it got tougher and tougher. We got more and more drained. And I, I would say the, the, the very last scene which is also in the film, which is also the very last scene we shot, there was simply nothing left in the tank. There was, it was empty. That, that, you know, when you're that tired, that anything that steps on your toe makes you just cry, you know, it was just empty. Uh, so the emotions were like on the surface of your skin. And, and that was a very, very brutal day. We knew it was, it was the last day, but we were not sure we, we had the, the energy to take that last step. Wow, that's, that's pretty great to hear because it definitely comes out in the performance. It makes that scene so powerful because of that because it's real yeah it was it was super real and I, of course we we add to it as actors as well but it was not it was not that difficult to imagine what the situation would be you know and and uh yeah i love that ending i love uh, i love the fact that he keeps ensuring her that it's okay that you're not alone he keeps telling her obviously addressing himself that it's, it's okay that he gives up now as long as there's somebody holding his hand yeah, it is, it's beautiful. Well, quick question about beards. So in this film, you have a beard, uh, uh, obviously, mm -hmm. makes sense. Do you prefer wearing a beard in your real life, or do you prefer being more freshly shaven, kind of like Hannibal? I, I, I'm in between. I'm in one of these guys. I, I trim it once a week, and then I let it grow for a week, and then I trim it all the way down. Uh, I'm not a big uh, fan of beards. Uh, I mean, I love them for, for different parts when it works, but there's no way in hell I'm going to run around with, with my breakfast <laughs> stuck in my beard every day. <laughs> <laughs> That's very fair. <laughs> well, thank you so much, Maz, for the amazing performance. I, I love films like this, and you've made one that's a new favorite for me. Thanks a lot. That's pretty nice of you. Thanks a lot. 
All right, we're back. And listeners, hope you enjoyed that. I know I had a blast. It's one of my new career highlights, getting to talk to Mads Mikkelsen. Uh, hopefully I wasn't too goofy there in the interview, trying not to be starstruck. But it's hard when you're talking to someone that you really respect and you just think so highly of in the in the uh, industry. Um, he was a lot of fun. He was really gracious, and I loved the way that he provided insight into the filming process and what went on with kind of getting Arctic off the ground and how it came to be. And I was honored that he answered my beard question, Patrick. I was I was a little nervous that he was going to just kind of, you know, shake that one off and, and ignore it. But he answered it so candidly, too. I mean, just so honestly. I loved it. Like he's thought about it before. Like he, yeah, he has a very good reason for not wanting to wear that beard full time. And he is not afraid to share it. Listeners, hope you enjoyed that as much as we did. Well, I don't want to hog the mic all night long. Um, unfortunately, there's nothing we have to review that both Patrick and I saw this week. But what we do have to talk about, Patrick, is something really, really exciting. Something that is coming up very, very soon. And that is the third annual, the 2019 Feeler's Choice Awards. Dude, I love the fact that we're calling it third annual because of the fact that we had a first and second year that we did this. Remember the when fact- I tried to call it the first annual? And wrong, you had to stop me? Wrong. Yeah, inaugural is what we had to go with. But thankfully, we've had two iterations of this that we can now call this the third annual Feeler's Choice Awards. And I'll tell you, Aaron, as we have continuously said on this show, how grateful we are for our listeners, for the participation in the Facebook group. I'm even more just continuously blown away by how much the participation level increases each year with this, how people look forward to these awards. They really are awards for the people, by the people. And I'm excited about announcing these nominations that will get voted on and that those votes being cast will get uh, announced during the, the, well, after the Oscar or during the Oscar celebration. Yeah. And we did something different this year. And I think that it was a really good choice because it helped to increase participation. So in the last two years, what we always did is we would create a document and we would send out a link and anybody could write in nominations. And understandably, that's a daunting task for people, I think, to look at a big spreadsheet and kind of feel like they have to come up with things off the top of their head. This year, what we did is we utilized our ever-growing Facebook group that we plug all the time because we love, and we went into the community and we posted 19, oh, 18, there's 18 awards, 18 polls, and we just kind of preloaded them with some options and said, everybody go here and just add everything you want for a week. If you think something should be nominated, add it to the poll, vote up the things that you want to see on the ballot, and don't vote for the things that you'd rather not see. And it was awesome. We had tons and tons of votes, tons of interaction It was a really good time, and I think it resulted in some nominees that I wasn't expecting, and that's a really good thing. And so what's going to happen, listeners, is after these nominations get announced tonight, this episode will be out for about a day, and then on Friday morning, February the 15th, we're going to post a link to a voting document. That link is only going to be in the Facebook discussion group. Apologize for those of you that aren't on Facebook, but in order to keep this for the community, we need to lock it down a little bit. If I post this link on Twitter, then who knows who's going to vote? It may get more votes. It probably will, but it won't be actual feel and film listeners necessarily. And what we want to do is keep it to the community and the people that are talking about movies with us 
all day, every day. So we really encourage you to come be a part of that community. You can do that at facebook.com slash groups slash feeling film, uh, or you can find a link in the show notes. Just come join it. It's easy. It's free. And then be a voter, you know, vote in these awards, uh, have your say, and then discuss them once they actually get announced on that Oscar show later. But for now, what do we do? We're going to talk about these nominations. Exciting stuff. And as you mentioned, there are going to be names on here that both you and I are surprised by and pleasantly surprised would be the way in which we describe them. Because the great thing about the feeler's choice is it's really the voice of those that probably aren't the loudest, but that, you know, it's favorites and stuff like that, but it may not be the favorite. And I put that in air quotes. Nice. See what I did there? Yeah. All right. So we're going to go through these pretty quickly because there's a lot to get through. I'm going to go ahead and read these off. Uh, starting with best costume design, we have Black Panther with Ruth E. Carter, Crazy Rich Asians, Mary E. Voigt, the favorite, Sandy Powell, Paddington 2, Lindy Hemming, and Solo, a Star Wars story, Glenn Dillon, and David Crossman. I feel like I'm at the awards right now. Like, I feel like I'm, I'm so nervous that I'm going to mispronounce names. And I'm going to get booed. Well, luckily not all of these have names, but yeah, you're definitely reading them <laughs> out as if you were an awards presenter right now. It's, it's, I'm sweating pre- right now. I'm just, pretty, it's crazy. Pretty fun to listen to. Um, nothing jumps out at me about these. I was really pleased to see Paddington 2 get in there and also solo. I think it had great costumes. I got no issue with anything that I see here. You know, same here. I think um, I have a you know crazy rich Asians. I'd love to see. I love the vibrancy of, of the costumes and that. So I'd love to see it take home the the trophy this year. Best documentary: Free Solo, Minding the Gap, They Shall Not Grow Old, Three Identical Strangers, Won't You Be My Neighbor? Aaron, what do you think? Well, anybody that's listened to this show or knows me on social media knows what I'm going for here, and that's Free Solo. It was my Number one film of the year, uh, my number one experience for sure. So I'm really hoping that it pulls it out. I love that it's nominated. This group is fantastic. I would take out Three Identical Strangers. I'm not a huge fan of that. We nominated Won't You Be My Neighbor, unlike the Academy. So, you know, I don't know what that says about the Academy or what that says about us, but this is feeling film. Come on. Like, this movie was going to be nominated. (laughs) And by the way, all of our announcements, all of our voting will happen not in commercial breaks. We'll be doing it like all in the same kind of format. So giving love to every, every category. I like Won't You Be My Neighbor. It's, it was my favorite doc of the year and I'm glad to see it get some love in this list as well. I'm also really glad that They Shall Not Grow Old is in here. This is a movie that unfortunately did not get out in time for most people to see it before critic voting happened and it wasn't eligible for the Oscars due to not having a week long theater run before the Oscars voting occurred. Um, but it is easily what I would call the maybe best technical documentary of the year. It would be right there with Free Solo for me from a best perspective and not just favorite perspective. And I, I love that our listeners got to see it and also fell in love with it. Mm-hmm. All right, moving on to best animated feature. We have Incredibles 2, Isle of Dogs, Ralph Breaks the Internet, Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse, and Teen Titans go to the movies. Aaron, what are your thoughts? Well, the outlier here is Teen Titans go to the movies. And really the question was, is it going to be that or is it going to be Mirai or is it going to be? I mean, there's really no other options here. Most people don't see any other animated movies. There weren't a lot of 
quiet animated films that even made noise this year. I, I, just not like most years. In fact, the voting on this one in the Facebook poll, there were only six movies that got votes, and it was these five and Mirai, which is also nominated for the Oscar. Nobody even nominated anything else. So we all know that this is a four-horse race, and we all know that it's probably in reality a one-spider race. I'm going to have to agree there, both in the Oscars and in the Feeler's Choice. I'm hoping my man Spider-Man gets some love and his universe as well, or his Spider-Verse in this case. All right, best original screenplay. We have Blind Spotting, David Diggs, and Raphael Casal. Eighth Grade, Bo Burnham. First Reformed, Paul Schrader. Isle of Dogs, Wes Anderson. And Searching, Anis Shaganti and Sev Ohanian. I'm impressed. You did a really good job with those. Oh, the sweat just keeps coming down. This category is really close to my heart. And I love it. I love this. I love the nominees. Uh, screenplays matter a lot to me. If a movie has great writing, I will forgive a ton of other flaws in it. Um, and these five, I am all so, so high on. I, I would literally probably not have any problem with any of these winning. Um, blind spotting is the one that I most likely would be voting for myself uh, just to kind of give that away, maybe plug it. But honestly, these are all phenomenal picks and I love the taste of our listeners. Yeah, I think that there is all just a, a ton of strong candidates in this. And to have it just be these five, I don't know who's going to win this one. This is a really tight race, I think. And, and and we'll see it come down to the wire, personally. Best Adapted Screenplay. Annihilation, Alex Garland. Black Klansman, Charlie Watchell, David Rabinowitz, Kevin Wilmot, and Spike Lee. First Man, Josh Singer. The Hate You Give, Audrey Wells, who sadly died right before the film was released in October 2018. And A Star is Born, Bradley Cooper, Eric Roth, and Will Fetters. Well, again, love these nominees. I think that they're very, very strong. I'm really glad that Audrey Wells is getting recognized here for The Hate You Give and its adapted screenplay. It is definitely tragic that she passed away, unfortunately, right before the film was released. And couldn't get to enjoy the praise that has been heaped on this movie. It's one of my favorites of the year. It's one of your favorites of the year. And I think that if I had to root for something other than First Man, because I really think that Josh Singer's script is underrated, and I love that our listeners knocked that one out of the park by nominating it, because his adaptation is very, very true to the real story. And I think that is part of the reason some people don't like it, I guess, is because it's too accurate, maybe too much like Neil Armstrong. And I think that that means it's a good adaptation. So first man and the hate you give are probably my two favorites in here, but man, it's just a great lineup of films. It really is. And seeing Annihilation in there is a really interesting pick because I know that it was kind of a slow love for you. You had to kind of go back and rewatch it. And that uh, Garland has even said himself that Annihilation is less about a screenplay and more about a response to the story, which I think is really interesting. So at the very least for me, it makes me want to read the source material and kind of see what he was talking about. But I like seeing it as a nomination in here. I think it's a fantastic screenplay. All right, moving on to best original song. Always Remember Us This Way from A Star Is Born. Hearts Beat Loud from Hearts Beat Loud. 
Shallow from A Star is Born, Sunflower from Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse, When a Cowboy Trades His Spurs for Wings from The Ballad of Buster Scrubs. What are your thoughts, Aaron? Well, my favorite song from A Star is Born is in here, and that excites me. It's not shallow. I I know that that's the song that is the favorite. I know that that that's a song that is probably going to win the Oscar, and I'm pretty much okay with that. I don't have a lot of problems with the song. I love it as well. It's moving. It's powerful. It's a ballad. But Always Remember Us This Way, to me, is the best song in that film, and that film has... Nothing but great songs. Um, Hearts Beat Loud being nominated is awesome as well. I could pretty much nominate any song on that soundtrack and be perfectly happy. Um, Sunflower. So I was listening to both the soundtrack and score of Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse just the other day. And while they're good to me, neither one of those jumps out at me as very special. I, I know what this sun, I didn't know what Sunflower was off the top of my head. I had to realize it was that song that he's kind of singing to himself over the course of the film. It's good. It's fine. Like, I guess. I think when I look at this list, I hearken back to, I believe it was our inaugural Feelers Choice Awards. And the winner that was a pleasant surprise for me was um, from Sing Street, Drive It Like You Stole It. And I feel like Hearts Beat Loud is this year's Sing Street or this year's Drive it like you stole it. I don't think it'll win because I think there are too many strong songs in this category already. Shallow being probably the front runner, but I'm so glad to see it in there. And you're right. There are two or three other songs that I would easily nominate alongside this one, but I think it's a great representation of the movie. Yeah. I was sad that um, the song from Ralph Breaks the Internet didn't make it in. Yes. Uh, a place called Slaughter Race. It was the most kind of theatrical, which we both really enjoy, the musical style of film song, and and sadly it didn't make it. But It makes me wonder if we're going to get some nominations next year from the Lego Movie 2, the second part. Well, you know one guy is going to be promoting the heck out of that. <laughs> yes, I do. This guy right yes. here. <laughs> Who has two thumbs and loves the Lego Movie 2. <laughs> that guy right there. <laughs> All right, moving on to Best Original Score. Eighth Grade, Anna Meredith, First Man, Justin Hurwitz, If Beale Street Could Talk, Nicholas Bretel, Isle of Dogs, Alexandra Desplat, Spider-Man, Into the Spider-Verse, Daniel Pemberton. Yeah, this is what I was talking about earlier when the Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse score was being listened to because it popped up in this category and I was like, what? Huh? It, it's okay. I think some of the music is good. I think there are some of the quieter tracks. There's some piano-based stuff that is more moving and emotional to me than the rousing action pieces, but it doesn't stand out to me as anything special. Eighth grade, definitely is special. It's very energetic. It's it's, it's kind of like trancey almost. It's like pop, techno. It's a weird mix. It's very unique, and it's memorable. First Man, for my money, is the best score of the year, hands down. Um, if Beale Street Could Talk is probably my second favorite. It is really, really beautiful and matches the tone of that film perfectly. And Isle of Dogs is wonderful and also very unique and matches the uh, ethnic portion of that film very well. It takes into account the Japanese culture and uses some music from that area in a great way. So 
Those four nominees I'm really high on. Spider-Man, not so much. Yeah, I'm looking to see First Man take it because I think there was an award category from the official Oscars nominations that did not see what I see as probably a deserving candidate. It was this one. I think Justin Hurwitz got no love from that, and I hope that we can see him take home the uh, the Golden Feeler's Choice Award this year. But I also like Eighth Grade personally. I think it was a fantastic score that fit the tone of the movie pretty much um, in its in- entirety. All right, best sound editing. We have Annihilation, Black Panther, First Man, A Quiet Place, and Roma. You know, there's a lot of great sound editing that happened. Annihilation and First Man, probably A Quiet Place. I, I like these nominees. I think that they're all very strong. Uh, it's, it could go anyway. I really don't know where this one's going to go, to be honest with you. This is a great mixture of blockbusters and studio picks and indie picks i love it yeah i think all of these really bring to light the purpose of sound editing and its value to film and they all use it i think in probably the most deliberate ways of any movies that we've seen i think it's a great representation of this category all right moving on to best visual effects we have aquaman avengers infinity war First Man, Ready Player One, Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. Well, you know what I'm going to say. I mean, sure. First <laughs> we Man got... all the way, right? <laughs> uh, first Aquaman, maybe. Um, we got Aquaman nominated, and that just makes me so full of love and happiness and joy. Thank you, listeners, for doing that even if it was just for me to make me happy i appreciate it but uh, aquaman is definitely right there i love this group of nominees it's fantastic and every single one of them is worthy of being recognized for some of the best vfx that we have seen in any year as well as this year so i don't know what to tell you patrick like four of these five films right here are in my top 10 I mean, it's incredible uh, year for this category. And while I would love to see Aquaman or First Man take it, I'm pretty much just I'm going to be happy celebrating whoever takes this one home. Well, you've got a three out of five chance of a man winning this category um, and, and not not to be macho, but, you know, it's just what it is. Right. All right. Best cinematography. We have Annihilation, Rob Hardy, First Man, Linus Sandgren. If Beale Street Could Talk, James Laxton, Roma, Alfonso Coron, A Star is Born, Matthew Libatique. Yeah, I, an, I think so. Okay. I think so. Okay. Um, another incredibly, incredibly strong category across the board. Every single one of these men is worthy in this category. Um, I, Mm, I don't know. I don't know that I'm picking a favorite right now. I, I'm going to have to think about it before I even vote on this one. Yeah, same same here. It's a it's a stacked category, and any one of them is well-deserved for the award, and I'm excited to see kind of how this pans out myself. All right, moving on to our best actor in a, in a supporting role. Adam Driver, Black Klansman. Hugh Grant, Paddington 2. Jesse Plemons, Game Night. Mahershala Ali, Green Book, Michael B. Jordan, Black Panther. Well, I love Hugh Grant. 
in Paddington 2. I am so, so excited to see him nominated here. And even if he doesn't win, which he probably won't, I, I just am pleased that he's in here. And I think we both know what the shocker is, right? The one that kind of is way out of whack, and that is Jesse Plemons in Game Night. Now, I am not as big of a supporter. I, I don't think that this is like a best of the year supporting role personally, but he is really good in that movie. And I think it's cool, Patrick, that our listeners are willing to recognize comedic roles. They do that here with Hugh Grant. They do it with Jesse Plemons. And that is unique in any kind of voting groups these days. Yeah, this is where we get to see a lot of the shine come on with actors that and performances that don't get that kind of love that you would see at the Oscars. And Jesse Plemons, I think you and I would both agree, he's really become a favorite. Seeing him in Black Mirror, playing the role that he does there. Of course, I loved him in Friday Night Lights. He's just got a lot of great acting chops. I remember seeing him in a couple of roles last or the year before last that I really enjoyed. So yes, it is great to see him represented here. I don't know that he's going to take it, but I think that he's definitely uh, worthy to be on this list. Next up, best actor in a leading role. Bradley Cooper, A Star is Born. Christian Bale, Vice. David Diggs, Blind Spotting. Ethan Hawke, First Reformed. John Cho, Searching. All fantastic nominees, every single one of them, for the first time in my life, would probably be saying this, that Christian Bale is number five for me. And it's not because the performance is bad, it's just because, frankly, the movie itself is the least of these by a long shot for me. And I would love to see one of these other men get nom- uh, get recognized uh, as a winner. Obviously, Ethan Hawke for me is probably the guy. I mean, I am a long time fan, super fan even, of Ethan Hawke. John Cho is phenomenal. Davi Diggs in Blind Spotting is just great. Bradley Cooper. I mean, what can you say? Again, great, great, diverse list of candidates here. I'm proud of these nominees. Surprising not to see Rami Malek up here for Bohemian Rhapsody. But what can you say? That's is how it? we... That's <laughs> All I'm saying is that you have a front runner in a big awards category, and sometimes it says a lot about the movie that they are in that may, in the same regard to how you see Christian Bale as being number five on this list. You know, sometimes the movie makes the man, sometimes the man makes the movie, and I think in this case it was the latter for both of these guys. Best Actress in a Supporting Role is our next category. We have Claire Foy in First Man, Emily Blunt, A Quiet Place, Rachel McAdams, Game Night, Rachel Weiss, The Favorite, and Regina King, If Beale Street Could Talk. Do you have a favorite in this category? You know, I'm always going to champion Claire Foy from First Man. I think that her performance is probably the most underrated of any of the female performances. may not be the best, according to the Academy or popular vote, but it was the biggest surprise for me coming from a movie like that, that she actually had a equally powerful performance to Ryan Gosling. Well, I think her performance was perfect in every single way. I think every, every bit of it was absolutely flawless. And so she's the winner to me. Now, Regina King is right there with her from if Beale street could talk folks that have seen that will totally know 
Um, again, though, here we go with Game Night, <laughs> Rachel McAdams. Now, that one I wasn't shocked about because lots of folks across social media and out there in the film fan world have been championing her performance in this film. So pretty cool that the Feelin' Film listeners nominated her for this award. Moving on, Best Actress in a Leading Role. We have Elsie Fisher, 8th Grade. Lady Gaga, A Star is Born. Olivia Coleman, The Favorite. Tony Collette, Hereditary. Yalitza Aparicio, Roma. Did you say Olivia Coleman is the favorite? <laughs> Only in air quotes. <laughs> oh, <laughs> Olivia Coleman not in it. the favorite. I she see. Might, she might be the favorite. I haven't seen the movie, so I can't really be a judge. For it's so, it's so fun, though, when the name of the movie like gets you all kinds of cool puns. Exactly. <laughs> All I gotta say is this category rocks. We got Elsie Fisher in this nominated. We have Lady Gaga who deserves to be there. We have Olivia Coleman who is great despite my personal distaste for that film. Tony Collette also really amazing performance in a mm, okay movie for me. And Yalitza Aparacio is you know phenomenal in Roma. She's the first time actress that is starring in potentially the oscar winning best picture and she got nominated for best actress for an oscar so obviously the feelers have some good taste it's really cool patrick because we have again blockbusters indies and like foreign films represented we have had enough people in our listenership that watched all of these type of films to get this group together and that is so special to me there's some great film watching diversity that has helped populate such a great variety of nominations in these categories. We'll see it again here with Best Director. We have Alfonso Cuaron in Roma, Bo Burnham, Eighth Grade, Bradley Cooper, A Star is Born, Damien Chazelle, First Man, Spike Lee, Black Clans. Well, I like quite a few of these. Um, Alfonso Cuaron really earned it as much as anybody. Bradley Cooper, for my money, is as deserving as anybody. Damien Giselle made my favorite narrative film of the year. I, I don't know. Mo Burnham did a great job. Um, I like him getting nominated. I don't think I would ever put him as a winner. Many folks see this as one of Spike Lee's best films ever and Black Klansman as a sneaky best picture winner film. So, yeah, I mean, it's a great, again, diverse and unique group. This is going to be a tight race, I think. And because of the diverse representation here, not only in age, but in race and experience, foreign versus domestic, I guess. I actually like this. I like the fact that we have this kind of diversity and um, it's going to be good. So excited about that. Moving on to best picture. Avengers Infinity War. Blind Spot. Eighth Grade. First Man. Paddington 2. A Quiet Place, Roma, Searching, Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse, and A Star is Born. Awesome. Awesome group of films. Awesome collection. I mean, I, I don't know what to say. Again, we've mentioned it the whole time we've been talking. Just really cool, diverse type of films all across the board. Every kind of thing is recognized here, and I could not be happier with this group of pictures. Yeah, you know, in the past when the Oscars have expanded their lineup to 10 nominations, there was always like the one or two out there that were like, oh, it's a thrill to be nominated knowing they would never get picked. 
And I can't say that about this group of 10 because one, it's the Fearless Choice Awards and anything could happen, but they're all incredibly deserving to be on this list and they all have a legit shot at winning. There are not any kind of like consolation prizes here. I think that they all could take it. I do too. I think that the vote is going to be really split. So again, there's another plug for you all listening right now. If you're not in the Facebook group, your vote will matter, especially when it comes to this best picture category. So come on in and be voter. Okay. If you're not familiar with the Feeler's Choice Awards, you're listening for the first time hearing the nominations. These last two categories are specific to our podcast. This is what makes us who we are. First up, we have the poignant performance of the year. All right. And we have leading off David Diggs in blind spotting, Elsie Fisher, eighth grade, John Cho in searching, John Krasinski in a quiet place, and Thomason Harcourt McKenzie in leave no trace. Yeah, I, I love this category, Patrick. I love both of these two categories, of course, because they're ours and ours alone, but they really do speak to what we're all about. And the poignant performance is male or female. And it's just that one performance that really spoke to you the most emotionally throughout the year. Now, what's interesting is, of course, four of these five, I believe, are nominated elsewhere in their categories. I'm not actually I'm not sure if Krasinski was nominated or not now. I don't think he was. So only three of these five were nominated in their respective uh, acting categories. So Krasinski and Thompson Harcourt McKenzie are unique to this. And I think that that's so awesome that we have a chance to recognize some performances that maybe in the big scheme of things aren't the best thing ever, but no matter how small they were or how less impactful they were compared to the whole acting across the board of the year, they were memorable and they left a meaningful impact on someone uh, and they had to vote them up. So this is a great group of folks. And it's a great representation of the emotional impact that they have on us as a performance, much like this last category, whose entire experience of the narrative has that kind of effect on it. And we call it our emotion picture of the year. We have Avengers Infinity War, Blind Spotting, Eighth Grade, The Hate You Give, Leave No Trace, A Quiet Place, The Rider, Roma, A Star is Born, and Won't You Be My Neighbor. Yeah. First of all, I love the name of this award. <laughs> the names of these two awards. We outdid ourselves when we came up with poignant performance and the emotion picture of the year. Let's just give ourselves a pat on the back real quick. Okay, now that that's over, I think what's neat about this is much like the poignant performance where the nominees are a little bit different. So, yes, emotion picture of the year is going to correspond to best picture somewhat. There are six of the same nominees out of the ten, but it's those other four that show up that are really extra because of how they've impacted someone emotionally. Those other four are The Hate You Give, Leave No Trace, The Writer, and Won't You Be My Neighbor. And they all belong. They're all films that deeply impacted the people who watched them in an emotional way. And so I think that they got the nominees like really spot on in this category. Yeah, and I think that it's going to be just like the best picture. I think it's going to be a wide open race. It could go to any of these movies. I have my favorites, but then again, other people have their favorites. But not the favorite. 
Because it's but not in this list. It is not in this list. <laughs> the favorite was not a favorite. Gosh, that pun will never get old. Maybe it will after the Oscars. It we'll will in, yeah, as soon as we transition into the new year of movies. <laughs> right, just cut it off, right? <laughs> yep. So those are the nominations. Get into the Facebook group. Get to that document and vote, 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 vote. Be a part of the process. Celebrate with us. Aaron? It will be going from February the 15th, Friday morning, through February the 18th, Sunday evening. That's the voting timeline. So you've got three full days to vote and be a part of the Feeler's Choice Awards for 2019. And as Patrick said, we'd love to have you be a part of that. And we thank you for listening to us go over these nominations. We hope that you've enjoyed it. We hope that you like the nominees, even if you weren't a part of making them so. And maybe this will be a good audition tape for me to host the nominations for the Oscars next year. Maybe, maybe not. I don't know. Somebody's got to do it. Somebody's got to do it. Everybody else is bailing. So (laughs) do you really want that to happen? Do you really want us to know what's in your past? Because you know what, you know what goes on when you announce that you're going to host the Oscars. No, no, I'm going to host the Oscar nominations. Oh, you know, the 15 minutes of fame that I'll have, you know, in, in only flubbing names, not entire performances. I could do that. I could, I could see that. (laughs) So this is a good trial run for me. Thank you guys for listening. Uh, we have another episode coming in a few days. We're going to be covering Alita Battle Angel. Uh, Aaron and I will both be excited to talk about that produced by our man James Cameron. And it's going to be interesting. I think we're both pretty excited about it. It's gotten some mixed reviews, but of course, we don't really care about that because huh, we love movies for entirely different reasons than just critical reception or not. So, be sure to check out that conversation. Watch the movie first. It's always a better idea because it's a spoilery-filled podcast. So feel free to uh, check us out on Monday morning. Hey, everyone. Thanks again for listening. If you enjoyed the show, we'd love to hear from you. You can leave us a review on iTunes or wherever you're listening. These help increase visibility for the show and grow our community of listeners like you. We also invite you to connect with us further by joining our ever-growing Facebook discussion group. A link to that is in the show notes, or you can just search on Facebook and find us that way. If you'd like to continue the conversation with me, you can follow the show on Twitter, at Film, or connect with me in the Facebook group. I'm very active in both places, and I'd love to chat. And if you want to connect with me, you can find me at Shoeless Patch on both Facebook and Twitter, but be sure to tag me in any comments so that I'll be notified and not miss you. Once again, thank you for listening. We'll be back soon. Until then, stay positive. And keep feeling film.